0: Welcome to the Birth Uprising podcast. I'm Dr. Sarah, a chiropractor, birth educator, and lifelong questioner of nonsensical rules and authority. I'm here to help you navigate the maze that is maternity care and to think more critically about what you've been told is necessary and normal during pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and motherhood. We as women are tired of being coerced, lied to, and manipulated. And through education, we're taking back our power. So grab a cup of coffee and join the uprising. All right, welcome back to the Birth Uprising podcast. I'm Dr. Sarah, and I'm here with a special guest today. Marissa Bergman is an RN. She's a mom of two. She's a wife, and she's a childbirth educator. And we are going to talk about probably a bunch of things today, but our major topic is going to be maternity care deserts. So if you don't know what that is, you'll know by the end of this episode. So Marissa, thank you so much for joining us today. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you got into your work?
1: Sure, so thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you. Um, Yeah, so like you said, my name is Marissa. Um, I live in a little town in Western Kentucky called Eddyville. Most people have probably never even heard of it. I got into birth work because after I graduated nursing school, I was expecting my first daughter um, and her birth, the planning of her birth literally consisted of, I'm going to have a hospital birth with an epidural and I'm going to breastfeed. And that was the extent of it. That was the beginning and the end of my planning. And so as you can imagine, as things unfolded and I was very unaware of my options, um, of risk and benefits to interventions, things unfolded differently than how I expected and when I was postpartum with her, it didn't take long before I was in some deep, dark postpartum anxiety, and that sent me on this this journey of you know I've always wanted to be a mom, I have always enjoyed learning about birth and things of that nature. But here I am with this new baby who was so wanted. And I hate, you know. Oh, I feel that. I can feel it. Say
0: it because it happened to me, too. You know, I think so many of us, you don't know what you're getting into. You think it's going to be wonderful. Nobody warns you about this stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. And then it- and that was my thought was if this is something I wanted so badly, why is it so hard? And there must be something wrong with me because nobody is talking about this. And so it sent me on this journey of, I know I want more kids and I cannot do this again. So I did everything as opposite as I knew how to do it. And I immersed myself in all the education. I switched to a midwife. I had an unmedicated birth. And that's just, in my personal and professional life, both has made me so passionate about telling people that they have more options, you know, exactly like what you do. So I... Focus mostly on my local community, but I do have, you know, an Instagram and do some online work as well. Um, But because we live in an area with low access and low education, that is my prime focus. Well, it's so needed because I think, you know,
0: I live in Massachusetts and, well, people think there are so many options here because there are Boston is nearby. Providence is nearby. Boston has so many hospitals if that's Mm -hmm. where you were planning to go. There are so many right. options it seems, but there are a lot of places where, you know, not just for your birth, but for postpartum care, there is nothing. Right? Like mm-hmm. you were telling me that did you find a postpartum doula for either of your births?
1: I did not. I didn't even know what a doula was yeah. my first birth. Um my second, I hired a birth doula by 8 weeks pregnant. Mm-hmm. I knew I wanted one. Like I said, I did everything completely different, Um, but she does not do postpartum doula work. And so she did kind of stick around. And of course you form these relationships and these bonds with people like that. And so she was there for me postpartum, but not in the sense of, of the caretaking and the meals and that extra support and that extra nutrition and pouring into Mm -hmm. moms. Um, And that is something we are still lacking. So we actually have zero zero postpartum doulas in the entire western portion of our state um there are some in central kentucky because in that area is louisville and lexington and some of those bigger cities Mm -hmm. Uh, but as far as the western portion and the eastern portion it's very few and far between
0: that's so crazy i know in like in louisville there's there are quite a few people i know on instagram whose birth related businesses are there Mm -hmm. um at least three, and right. they're not—they're uh, not doulas. They're not doula related, but still, to know that even—even even maybe around there, there aren't that many. And then half of the state—that's like a—that's a lot of the state. Hopefully.
1: Yeah, and actually, so I know we're going to get into the maternity care deserts, but like statistically, I was looking at this: forty-eight percent of counties in Kentucky, so essentially fifty yeah. percent of the state, like you just said are termed maternity care deserts meaning that there are no providers in that many counties in the state so there aren't any at none all. Zero. and is
0: this just postpartum care or is this if you're going to have your baby there's not even a hospital
1: this is birth care so there are 48% of counties in our state do not have maternity care in their counties Jeez.
0: So what do these people do? They just yes. drive multiple we hours. We drive.
1: Mm-hmm. So where I'm at, um, the majority of the people that live in my county drive about forty five minutes to to local hospitals. If I go the other direction, it's about an hour the other way. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's pretty average. Mm-hmm. Forty five minutes to an hour is pretty average for most people. As far as other options, you know, home birth midwives are few and far between. Only one percent of births. In the U.S., but in Kentucky, are home births. I know of two people in my personal life that have had home births. And then we have zero freestanding birth centers our entire state. It's lovely. So the closest one is Nashville, which is two and a half hours away.
0: Yeah, I think this is something that a lot of people don't recognize, as we were talking about before we got on, that if you live in an area like I do where there seem to be choices... You don't realize that it's not like that everywhere. And mm-hmm. even if there are hospitals, like if you got in an accident or something like that you could go to, Right. they don't necessarily, even if they did previously, they don't necessarily have a maternity ward. So right. if that used to exist and has been closed down because it, you know they didn't have the money or it was underutilized or mm-hmm. they just never had one, then you do have to travel. And not only does that inconvenience you because you have to travel to every appointment and then during labor but also it decreases your options so if that's the only place within driving distance for you that you're willing to drive to and you have to accept whatever care they give you and whoever is Mm -hmm. on then that's kind of what you get so right I think if you don't know that this is This is the reality for some people. This is why I never say, you know, hospital birth is the only way, home birth is the only way. There are reasons why people choose what they choose. If they had more education, they might choose differently, which is the whole purpose of my account. But some people are kind of stuck. They don't necessarily have the money for a home birth midwife or there isn't one available to them or they have to go to the hospital because there's... They're not comfortable with free birth, and it's literally the only choice. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it really, it stinks for those people because they deserve more options. And you, I mean, if you don't know where you're, you don't know you're going to be having a baby, and you move somewhere or you grew up somewhere, that's just where you are. You know, you didn't necessarily move to this place because of the wonderful maternity care options.
1: Right, right. Yeah, you're so right. And the money does play a big portion for some people, you know, because say you do choose to have a home birth and you find a midwife that is within your area. You know, personally, this is something that we are we're beginning to navigate as we're hoping to build our to grow our family. Um, Hopefully this year we're not pregnant yet, but I'm just with just out of most midwives range. Mm. I'm talking like 10, 15 minutes. Outside their range, right? Another 10 minutes, please. Yes. And, you know, no birth centers. And although, as far as hospital providers go, uh, we have a midwife that is at the hospital that I delivered at last who is just the best in the area. You know, I'm so thankful for her. If she ever left, Lord, I don't know Mm -hmm. what I would do. But Medicaid does not cover home birth. And 50% of our births in the state of Kentucky are covered by Medicaid. Okay. That's a huge Mm -hmm. portion um and then most other insurances also do not do not cover right portions of home birth regardless and so if you are financially strapped that's that's a barrier you know you can't afford to pay 5 to 7000 dollars out of pocket for a home birth um and then you're strapped by location you have a barrier of location that's another thing and then like you said you know say you you have one or two hospitals to choose from okay well now you're looking at the providers and who who fits your values most, who fits your birth desires most and you just do the best you can. So, you know, when you combine lack of education, which I think is a huge problem in our country, with low access, you know, no wonder we have so many women experiencing traumatic births. Well, if we had better care providers, I think that would
0: that would it's help. It's a big
1: Yeah, it's a big <clears throat> recipe for disaster, honestly.
0: When it comes to the cost too. I know a lot of people think that it's a barrier because coming up with, like in in Massachusetts, it's a little bit less. I think my last birth was about thirty five hundred, but it could have right. it could have been more had I chosen different options like home visits for everything. Right. I chose to go to my appointments because it was like me time, where I yeah. didn't have my other two kids. I was like, got an appointment, gotta go. So it was a little bit less because I did a lot of the driving. But I mean, it ranges, but it can be you know, a significant amount of money over a, a sort mm-hmm. of short period of time. But I think people need to also realize that depending on your insurance, you mm-hmm. can end up paying even more than that before your insurance kicks in. So if you have a deductible yeah. of five or $7,000, uh, mm-hmm. you are still responsible for that before the insurance will pay anything. So your birth will definitely cost more than that at a hospital. Right. So you may, That's so you true. may still be paying that. And not all cost is financial. So Mm -hmm. if you end up with trauma that you have to deal with your entire life that affects your next birth, that affects everything for you, was it worth saving that money or could you have maybe found it somewhere else? You know, there are things Mm -hmm. that we think are so important to us that maybe we could sacrifice for a few months of the year to know that we're having the birth where we feel safest Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people don't realize that they find the money for this enormous expensive wedding and then when it comes to their birth they're like my insurance will cover it and it'll be fine
1: you know yes I so agree I always say that birth and postpartum are life events worth preparing for you know we prepare for getting married we prepare for applying for jobs going to college all of those milestone markers but are we preparing for birth and postpartum in the same respect? No, No, we're not. Yeah.
0: I think we don't realize that we need to. You just, Mm -hmm. which, you know, in hindsight, after having kids, you think, how did I not think I should have known more about this? It's the biggest change that'll ever happen in your life, both physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, relationship-wise with your partner. It's It changes everything and in really good ways, but also ways Mm -hmm. that you would do better with if you were prepared. And I think we should just we need to tell women more and think that I think people don't tell them more because they're afraid that they'll be afraid. If if you say, you know, this is going to it's going to be a big change. And here are some resources because I really think you should utilize these. Some people might check into it. Some people might not. Some people think that mm-hmm. they're, you know, I'm fine. It'll be fine. You know, if I, right. if I go to the hospital or I don't have stuff prepared, it's, it's fine. I have a friend actually who, uh, I had a postpartum doula last time. Mm-hmm. She was awesome. I loved her. Made a big difference for me. My friend was having her first baby and she lives nearby. So she could have used the same woman. And I gave her the information And she, I think, had a meeting with her and she was really lovely and they really liked her, but they didn't end up hiring her because it was, you know, it was some amount of money and they figured they could save that. And also her husband luckily got really good leave. He got to be home Mm. for like three months or something. And so, yeah, my husband was home for like a day and a half because (laughs) we have our own business. There's no way to cover it. So he had to go back. So I I really wanted a doula and I had a babysitter to help with the other two kids. But she figured, well, you know, he's going to be home. I don't know if I necessarily need that. We could probably save the money and use it for something else. And I totally get that. That's logical to think. Right. But at the same time, in the back of my mind, I was thinking, are you sure? Because I think you don't right. know what you're getting yourself into. And I think having another woman who's been through this who can help you kind of navigate at least those first couple weeks even if it's just a couple hours here and there would be really helpful uh and she didn't and i know she did end up having some issues she had some relationship issues because her husband just didn't get it sometimes they're just a little bit more disconnected from the situation than the mom because the mom actually went through it and so he i think tried to be helpful but wasn't exactly what she was needing but there wasn't somebody else and I think that caused problems in their relationship and she was exhausted you know all the typical new mom things you're learning all this stuff Mm -hmm. and you're tired and you've just Mm -hmm. given birth it's it's a lot and a postpartum doula can be a huge help but if you didn't even know what that was yeah and so many people don't you say doula and they are like what are you talking about
1: you know what language right. are you speaking? I've
0: never heard this word. What the <laughs> heck is that? Yes. Well, and if outside the kind of birth community, these words mm-hmm. to us are normal and, you know, average and used every day. A lot of them, if I went and talked to my neighbor, they would have absolutely no clue. So yes. if you don't know that there's a person whose job it is to come and help you after you have a baby, you might not even know that. If you don't know that that profession exists, you
1: might not know you even need it. Because, And what an awesome job. I yeah. mean, to have somebody come and nurture you. Yes. Who who would not benefit from that? I know. It's so
0: wonderful. I so enjoyed my time with with my doula. She like rubbed my, did calf massages and made me golden Ugh. milk and cleaned my kitchen and held my baby while I took a bath that she just drew me upstairs so that I could you know, sit in heal. I know I, I had a hard time, honestly, accepting it at first. Cause I was like, I'm used to doing stuff for everyone else. I think a lot of women right. are, uh, what do I do? I was just sitting in the bath, drinking my golden milk. Like, should I get out of here now? Like, sh- shouldn't I be helping someone? But it, I eventually was like, okay, I'm, I'm all right with this. You know, I, right. this is what I need to be doing right now to be my best self, to heal the best, to be there for my kids, to be there for my husband. Mm -hmm. I need to lean into this and let somebody care for me for once Uh and I kind of wish I could
1: just hire her now like could you
0: (laughs) could you just come
1: back I need her to come to Kentucky (laughs) I'm
0: I'm postpartum like two years is that too late come back no
1: no but yeah I mean it's true and there's such a focus on getting back to your past self which hey we know that's not a no, thing right when, once you're a mom yeah. she's gone yeah. <laughs> this is a new season of yeah. life and the more we fight that the harder it is to transition so number one you just have to step into the fact that this is this is a new chapter and it's a beautiful one it's a hard one um it could be challenging at times but also understand that when we don't pour into ourselves when we don't maybe hire that extra support or um, whatever that looks like, right? We prolong our healing. So your goal might be to get back, quote unquote, get back to what your life was like before, but actually you are delaying it even longer mm-hmm. by not getting that support because your body is going to take longer to heal. You're increasing your risk of the emotional challenges like postpartum depression and anxiety. Um and it just, it puts a strain on your relationship like you were just talking about and it's it's all very interwoven you know postpartum and birth and having a baby and becoming a mother is so holistic it's not just the physical or it's not just you know the the emotional but there's so many facets of it that really in, are interwoven i wish there was in the traditional
0: Western medical model where most women give birth in a hospital. I wish there was more focus on everything but the physical because that's all they focus on is, are you alive? Did we do anything we can get sued for? Is your baby alive? That's basically it. It's, it doesn't matter to them. What happened during that time that you were there, as long as you leave and they're not liable and they think we, we did a great job. See another, Another live person walked yes. out of this building, which yeah. is such a disservice because becoming a mother is not just about that one thing. It's not just about what physically happened to you and the baby. It's a huge transition. And whereas years ago, we probably would have had older women and you know community members to walk us through this time who had kind of been in it. Now we on the internet so which you can meet some really nice people on the internet but at the same time to have people physically with you and supporting you makes a huge difference and that's it's just not a consideration for western medicine at all and then the postpartum care is one visit at six weeks to check if you can have sex here's some birth control
1: exactly and you think you're not you're not postpartum anymore yeah you know i hear that all the time of Okay, well, I'm six weeks postpartum, so I'm out of that, that phase. No, yeah. you're just saying you're two years postpartum. Yeah. You're perpetually postpartum yeah. after you it's have a baby. It's forever.
0: It's not six weeks. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's six weeks. You can still be bleeding. Mm-hmm. You can still be, you know, uncomfortable from what happened to you, processing your birth, getting some kind of a schedule down, if there's any kind of schedule at all with a newborn, just trying to figure it all out. Six weeks is
1: nothing. Yeah. And let's be honest, you know, that six week checkup also has to do with the way that our our work culture is set mm-hmm. up of, okay, you're clear, time to go back to yes. work, you know, which also plays into all of the issues that we're talking about.
0: Well, yeah, I, there's so many issues sur- surrounding that. And women, some women want to work. I'm like, I I like to work, but I like to do the work mm-hmm. that I like, like this, like talk to you. Right. <laughs> Some things I don't like to do, like folding laundry or cleaning up papers or, you know, like bills and paperwork. Some of those things come along with your work, but Mm -hmm. some women think that they can go have a baby and six weeks later seamlessly just go back to it. They've planned, they have a nanny, they have childcare, they have Mm -hmm. whatever, and your baby doesn't understand that necessarily some people have to do that some people have no choice even if they wanted to stay home they can't financially and i've talked to a lot of women who that's the case for and it really stinks that they don't have that option but we push them all all Mm -hmm. all of us push them to get back into their careers you spent especially if you are you know maybe in your 30s when you have kids and you spent time Mm -hmm. going to school and then uh you know, work on your job and you have this career and then they want you back right away because Mm -hmm. you're this integral member of the team and also the company's going to lose money if you're not around. So they Mm -hmm. kind of expect you to come back. And so it doesn't, it doesn't give you the time to heal. It doesn't give you the time to bond with your baby. And then it stresses you out because now you're back at work and you're responsible for everything you're responsible for prior. Plus, now you're thinking about your baby, and are they being cared for properly? And do I have to go pump in the closet now because we don't have right. a space to pump? There's yeah. so much about postpartum that just, if we talked about it more, would change everything for women. If they just were a little bit more prepared for what's about to happen, mm-hmm. I think they would have a, a little bit easier time integrating into you know what happens right. next
1: right what would it look like if we saw that postpartum period as a necessity and not a luxury mm-hmm. you know um and i i don't ever mean to discount those really difficult situations where people don't have a choice right because you can't ever make a blanket statement about everything mm-hmm. but if we could shift that perspective of you know Postpartum rest, this postpartum healing period is not a luxury. It's not optional. This is something that I have to do for the sake of myself and my family. And I was one of those moms that went back after my first daughter's birth. I went back at seven weeks postpartum to working 12 to 14 hour shifts as a nurse. And I was breastfeeding and I was working, I was working in outpatient dialysis. And, you know, kid you not, I had to be there at 5 a.m. So I would get up at 3 a.m., pump while I was getting ready, go to work, try to find time to leave the floor to pump, which was nearly impossible and awful for your milk supply when you're seven weeks postpartum, keeping it regulated. And then, you know, I would get home at 7 p.m. and I would be up every two or three hours with my baby and then get up at three and do it again. And it's no wonder I end up with awful postpartum anxiety, Mm -hmm. you know, between lack of education and agreeing to interventions that I regret now because they sent me down that cascade of interventions, going back to work so quickly because I, quote unquote, had to, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't actually have to financially, but that's what the world tells me is I have this education. I have this job. I make good money. I, you know, this is what's expected of me. And truth be told, you know, that first six months of her life is a blur to me because of all of those things that I chose to do. And, and the temptation is to beat yourself up of the mom guilt of, why did I do that? You know, I, I couldn't enjoy my baby. This is my fault. But in reality, you don't know what you don't know. And so what do we do moving forward, right? We have a different experience and we get creative to build that different experience. So even if we don't have Postpartum doulas in our area, which working on that, you know, put, putting those feelers out of like, we got to get some in this area. But are there women in your life that can nurture you? Are there doulas in training that need some hours? Are there people that are just passionate about birth, like you and I, that would be more than happy to jump in and support you in that way? And so just getting creative and, you know, financially getting creative, thinking ahead. I'm going to put this aside. You know, I know I want more children. I'm not pregnant yet. What can we do now to be preparing for that and thinking about that? Mm -hmm. Smart. It's worth the investment. It's totally
0: worth the investment. And getting educated, whatever that means to you, whether it's taking a course, whether it's finding Instagram accounts, whether it's doing consultations with someone, getting educated to the point where you feel like you know all of your options, not just what's being told to you in your appointments, not just what your friends have done, not just what your mom says you should do. You know all of your options, both for locations near you for having your baby, but also inside those locations, the specific choices you're going to have to make, about your prenatal care options, what tests do you want to do and why, what works for you, what doesn't. And then when it comes to your birth, who do you want there? Who do you want supporting you? Uh, Who do you want for your care provider? Who's going to be coming in and out of that room if you're in the hospital? And what do they need to know about you and about your choices to make sure that things go as smoothly as possible? If you Mm -hmm. have the education to know. How to make that, whatever place it is that you give birth, the best you can with what you're given, you're so much more likely to come out on the other end feeling satisfied, less likely. To, I was getting anxiety just listening to your story of what, of what yeah. you had to do. I had anxiety too, but I wasn't, I wasn't back at work. I was just alone yeah. with this baby that wouldn't stop crying, and I slept never and had, and had no yes. help. And you, you know, all these different things can give you anxiety as a new parent, both from the perspective of somebody who's going back to work way too early and now having to leave your baby with someone, anxiety about that and about performing your job. But then also the anxiety when you're with your baby of, am I doing these things right? And I have nobody mm-hmm. to ask, you know, mm-hmm. or you can call the nursing line at you know, whatever the pediatrician's office is. But it's not the same it's not. as having someone with you to kind of work through these things. It's a, it can be very lonely.
1: It can. It could be such an isolating time.
0: So tell me a little bit more about you recognize that there is a lack. Let's talk about postpartum doulas. You recognize that there's okay. a lack of postpartum doulas, clearly, if like and half we, your state has nothing.
1: How did you find out these statistics? Where did you look? Them so from? there's a report from the March of Dimes that goes into maternity care deserts. It's really easy to find if you just search in the in Google or online. Um, it'll pull up your state's information as well as the information for the United States. So for our country as a whole, I have it written down right here: 2.2 million women live in maternity care deserts. And that comes down to about 36% of our country. Um, and so this is, this is definitely a my state problem, but it's also a United States problem. And there was, the last report was in 2020. And as of 2022, the amount has actually increased, not decreased. And the reasoning is because of the pandemic, because there were hospitals that were affected that had to close due to the pandemic so we actually have fewer options two years later instead of more options and then when you go into each state you know the legislation and such varies so for example something that my state is hopefully working towards um, fixing is right now there is a it's called a certificate of need in place to open freestanding birth centers okay the last freestanding birth center that was open in my state was in the 1980s. It closed its doors in the 1980s. This certificate of need states that any kind of medical facility has to prove that there is a need in their community for this service. So, right, you, you, pro- you can already see where I'm going yes. with this.
0: Yes, I'm rolling my eyes and shaking my head. You can't see this. Yes, but that's yes. My okay,
1: so in 2000 and tw- we'll see 2009 there was a midwife in our state who sought to open a, a freestanding birth center in 2012 she applied for the certificate of need and there were three hospitals in her area that came out and said no we covered this service right, right? even though 48 percent of our state is maternity care right. deserts and OBs and midwives in the hospital are overwhelmed yeah. you know they're their appointments are very short they do not have the bandwidth to do what women need and that's that's maybe partially part of their problem but it's the system's problem right. you know this is how it's set up so anyways um there was a hearing and they they ruled in favor of the hospitals saying yes they cover this service okay so they appealed it the midwife appealed it the hospital appealed it again and this stuff costs money mm-hmm. And hospitals have deep pockets. They can fight these things much longer than one single person trying to open a a birth center. See what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So she actually ended the fight because she had expended her resources and she moved out of the state. And so, Is it possible that I've heard of this? Probably so. Because
0: this is sounding very familiar to me. And I don't know if it was this particular case or it was another, Mm -hmm. but I've heard about this and what i think is funny i don't know if this is the case in other states as well it very well may be but what you're doing essentially is asking that you have to ask your competition if they will mm -hmm. allow you to exist and they have to say sure thing we'll open right up we'll support you that'd be like if when we opened our chiropractic office there are other chiropractors in the the town we're in, if we had to go mm. to them and get everybody's approval for us to open in that town because they were there before.
1: Like, right. They're clearly going to say no. No,
0: they're going to say no. Even if they don't have it handled, they don't want the competition because now mm-hmm. if if someone perceives you as a better choice at a birth mm-hmm. center, you're going to take some of their clients away. And, right. But what an insane process, you know.
1: It is insane.
0: It's crazy. There's a birth center uh, here in Boston, that has been trying to open for multiple years now. And I'm sure some of yeah. it's like bureaucratic stuff and some of it's, right. you know, just planning and getting the right spot and, yeah. and all of that. Right. But right. it's it's a process. And if you have to go through your competition to determine whether you should be there, I mean, obviously, it's needed. Mm-hmm. And this poor yeah, woman.
1: Women are screaming, yeah, we need this. Women. But then they're saying, no, we don't need this. Right.
0: Well, yeah, they they don't want no. the competition, they don't necessarily care what right. is available and what's not. And mm-hmm. I mean, good for that midwife. She was bold and tried her best. Mm-hmm. She
1: put up her best fight. Yeah. And so now in our state, there has been a bill proposed as of January, as of this month, to allow birth centers to be exempt of the certificate of need. Oh, thank so, God. we will see if it passes. Um on February 8th. So coming up soon, the Kentucky Birth Coalition is going to the Capitol to lobby for this bill. Um, And I'm going for the first time and I'm excited about that to get involved there. But um, yeah, we'll see what happens. So if they're exempt of this certificate of need, they would be able to bypass that process, which would definitely open more doors. I'd be
0: interested to learn about who is behind that bill. Because that's somebody that you want to make sure you support mm-hmm. going forward and you want to make sure 100%. they stay where they are. I think most people don't realize not just birth, but a lot of things that have to do with your health care are political. And right. if you aren't paying attention to specifically the bills that are mm-hmm. being proposed and who's behind them and what they stand to gain and... How you do your part to make sure that some of these things don't happen, that some of your rights aren't taken away, or Mm -hmm. that good bills like that don't die. And they continue to move through so that there are choices for people. If you don't know that that's even a thing you should do, most people don't. They have no idea. They're lucky if they show up to their town hall to vote once every four years Mm -hmm. for president. Never mind. Know about stuff like that. It's mm-hmm. it makes a huge difference though because all this stuff is happening behind what per- what is perceived as closed doors that you don't have any access to and people just don't know until they need to utilize something that is now blocked by uh, right. a bill like that.
1: And you I'm know, even there. if you don't need that service yourself, mm-hmm. right? Like I don't know what I'm going to choose in the future because honestly, I don't really know the full options offered to me. I'm hoping there's some more options by the time I do give birth again, but even if that's not your choice advocating for that right um, to improve the community, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, the same sponsor of that bill, there's also another bill coming through that is um, going to support Medicaid covering home birth, Mm -hmm. which would be huge. There are a few States that have started that, but if these two bills pass, I mean, this will change maternity care. In Kentucky like it's a big deal
0: that's a huge deal I mean tons of people use Medicare and Mm -hmm. and and Medicaid and it's so much money to have a baby in a hospital and it's not nearly as much comparatively to have a home birth and if that were covered it would give people so many more choices Mm -hmm. to you know, just open up their world. If, especially if, if you could stay home and that was a choice and a place where you had hospital an hour away that I don't like is my only option and that's mm-hmm. it. And this was an option to you, you might consider it. And if, Absolutely and if would. H- insurance companies, and not just, you know, the state-sponsored ones and the federal-sponsored ones, if insurance companies that are private as well mm-hmm. would think about covering some of this stuff, they would save an enormous amount of money. Absolutely. Enormous amount of money. I And long term, too, you know, yeah.
1: because women are typically more satisfied with their experiences mm-hmm. than in the hospital. And then you're dealing with the birth trauma and the and the other repercussions of that.
0: Yeah. Which is crazy that they don't think about these things or NICU stays that were, yeah. you know, forced on babies because they were forced out of the womb too soon or things were done to them yeah. that caused them to need extra help or right. women that have. You know, they have postpartum hemorrhage or they have issues like you were saying, you know, subsequently, whether it's physical or not, that mm-hmm. now need help that they're going to use their insurance for. They right. don't consider any of that stuff, which is crazy to me because they're all about the money. Mm-hmm. They don't want to spend usually what appears a dime more than they have to on anything, even though you're paying your premiums every month. You go to use it right. and now they don't want to cover oh, anything. But if that were an option for people, it would—it really is a win-win for everyone. It is. That would be incredible it if is. that were covered. You know, most insurance companies don't cover home birth, but I did hear in the last few years, I didn't even try to apply with mine, but to find mm-hmm. out if their some of their rules have changed because people weren't wanting to go to the hospital in the last couple of mm-hmm. years, and rightfully so, I mean. In my mind, any (laughs) time is an okay time to say you don't want to go there. Especially
1: 2020. Right,
0: especially. And I had a baby at the end of 2020, and I thought about finding out, but uh, because we are a small business, we get our insurance through the state, and they're less likely to care. But you know, one Hmm. insurance that I'm surprised actually does cover part of home birth care Hmm. is TRICARE, which is what our military has. Yeah. That's awesome because they don't cover anything, <laughs> but yeah. they do this. They do that is so true. They don't. They don't do a lot right, <laughs> but yeah. this this is one good thing that they do right. So right, maybe we should awesome. take even if it was some of it was covered. You know, it would really mm. it would really help. That's great. it would help. That's great that those bills are out there, and I really hope that they move forward. Sometimes it takes multiple Listen tries to. to 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 get them through to get people to understand,
1: yeah, which is but using your voice Mm -hmm. and your dollars, yep, is part of the battle.
0: No, for sure. So, in your nursing career, Mm -hmm. what are you working currently? I am,
1: but I'm in a community health setting. I'm not in the hospital, so that sounds like it might be better than it was in the hospital, and that's better for my. Season of life as a mom of two little kids, but also, you know, the state of things. I, I've thought many times about going to work in labor and delivery because I love birth and supporting moms. But to be honest with you, like, I don't know if I can with, you know, induction rates and C-section rates and that kind of thing, because it's, it's systematic. Mm -hmm. You, you, you cannot change the system you know, you can support moms, but you can't change the system. And so honestly, I feel like I can have a greater impact outside of that than I could inside Mm -hmm. it. As I'm educating people on the outside, even if they're choosing hospital birth, you know, even if they choose elective induction, like just them knowing what are the risks? What are the benefits? Am I making an informed decision? Do I know that I'm the one in control of this decision? You know, do I understand that you said postpartum hemorrhage earlier. What are the main risk factors for postpartum hemorrhaging?-hmm long labors, inductions, certain medications, you know um like early delivery of the placenta these are things that we need to be aware of so that we can make the most informed decision for ourselves and I see it in the in the community health setting that I'm in. I do childbirth education there, and I actually had a mom yesterday give birth to her first baby. And medicated in the hospital. And I was, I'm so thrilled for her because that's what she wanted. And, you know, it's possible. And she Mm -hmm. said, I had a great care team. They supported me. And so just knowing how to advocate for what you want, choosing the right provider, because that's huge. Mm -hmm. And having your birth team to be supportive and know what your your desires are. Our desires are all going to be different. I see questions on Facebook, you know, the Facebook mom groups Mm -hmm. all the time. of Who's the best OB? Everyone is going to say who they had. Yeah. Unless they had an awful experience, right? It's not about that. It's about, okay, well, what kind of birth are you hoping for? You know, what are your birth goals? Are you you a scheduled C-section? Or are you an unmedicated birth? That's, I can't give you that answer.
0: Who would be best? depends gonna vary and it's gonna vary on your personality and what does best even mean i think they don't know what they're even asking mm-hmm. you know but that's that's true that most people probably just say whoever
1: they had. yeah and i'm it's a good place to start i suppose yeah. you know you gotta start somewhere but you're right it depends who you're asking because we all have our own bias and we all have our own opinions and experiences and that's just humanity mm-hmm. and so get putting the power back into their hands mm-hmm. you know that's I love what you do on your podcast is, you know, giving that information to them that they're not going to get in their OB appointments right. or their midwife appointments, like nurse midwife appointments, right. not, you know, we'll
0: probably get it um, in their regular midwife appointments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: hundred percent. But even the best providers in that setting do not have the time right. or the bandwidth to do the job worthy that needs to be done. Right.
0: It's all about those people being evil demons in a white coat Mm -hmm. because a lot of them aren't a lot of them are good people who got into their profession because they really wanted to help and they really are interested in birth and helping women become mothers and they are just trained in something that is often the opposite of supportive of that right and they don't even recognize it and like you just said Mm -hmm. The system's not set up for that. They're victims of it, too. Even though right. a lot of the things that they do, if I were in the same situation, I could not do. I could not do right. horrible things to women that I obviously recognize as horrible. They, yeah. Maybe they don't. But they are in a system that puts money first and people mm-hmm. last. And yeah. if you only have seven minutes to talk to somebody and then you have someone in the, other, the next room waiting... And you're mm-hmm. thinking about them as well and how many other appointments you have and do I even have time for lunch today and maybe I'm a new mom too and I have to pump and how right. many things are they also thinking about besides you? And then you get seven minutes of divided attention because they have all these other things that their job makes them do. So it's it's partially them saying, yes, I'll do these things. Yes, I'll participate in this. And mm-hmm. partially the system that makes it that way. I feel just like you do about, I don't belong in the system. I don't think you can change Mm -hmm. it from the inside a little bit. And maybe on the micro level, when it comes to a certain hospital or a certain provider, you can change their mind on one thing. But when it comes to the whole system, that's Mm -hmm. just, it's not possible for one person to do. You would spend your entire life working on it and probably notice no difference. But, If you spend your time teaching people about their options, then even if they utilize that system, they can have a better experience because they know that nothing is mandatory. They know that they have options for testing. They know that they don't have to be on their back in a bed. They Mm -hmm. have more options, more opportunity to utilize those options and more confidence in what Mm -hmm. they're about to go through. Right. And then you know, the postpartum isn't quite so bad. When you feel like you were supported and you have a, bo- a birth that was something that lifted you up as opposed to brought you down. Right. Postpartum, even if you don't have anybody else really to help, is not nearly as bad.
1: Totally agreed. Yeah. That was my experience too.
0: Yeah. I, once I realized that, after the first, I was like, we're He was born and in my arms and all I could think was, I'm doing this differently next time. Not like, oh, I just grew this human and now he's here. I need to do this differently next time and then made a plan for next time will not be the same. And even with no postpartum support at all, after my second and my husband going back to work right away, I was still, I was like on cloud nine, you know? Yeah. Because I had done it. I had done what they told me I couldn't do. I had... These two kids. And I was proud of that. Even though the mm-hmm. first didn't go the way it was supposed to, you know, it brought me here. Right. So I yeah, don't, absolutely. I don't regret it because I think I can help people because, mm-hmm. like you said, you don't know what you don't know. And I had no idea how bad it was out there until it happened yeah. to me, someone who, for all intents and purposes, should have not had this happen at all, should not have an unnecessary C section, should not have depression and anxiety. Someone who prepared for this, who, you know, worked with pregnant women, but I still became a part of that. And so how many other women? It's it's really sneaky. It's slow. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, little ideas put into your head. Like, do you want this epidural? No. You sure you don't want it? You can rest. No. Mm -hmm. Are you sure you've been working really hard? Fine. It's little things over the course of time that kind of break you down. And if you're not prepared Mm -hmm. for that. You could end up the same as me. I just, mm-hmm. I hope through my account and through the things that I'm doing that some people avoid that. And I think it's hard to know that you could be that. You think it's just going to be, oh, she's just telling the story. I've never heard anybody tell a story like this. She must be an outlier. And you think you'll be okay. And maybe you don't listen. And then it can happen to yeah. you. But it's really, it's more women than not. Yes, yes have a baby and are really dissatisfied or have, you can even have physical issues afterwards, things that happen to you that weren't necessary right. that give you long lasting issues, either with having another baby or physical pain or whatever it right. is. And that
1: can be hard to carry through your life. Absolutely. And when you're talking about such a, a massive transition of your life of stepping into motherhood, which is, you know, that in itself, like we talked about earlier, is just It's a new season of life. And then you're starting out on this, gosh, like lack of confidence, Mm -hmm. right? Like you just had all of your authority taken from you and you just had this experience that you're like, whoa, what just happened? You know, you're processing what even just happened? How did I get here? And then you've got this little baby to take care of. Your mind is reeling. You know, no wonder we're having such a hard time. So teaching women that they have the authority to take that back, that they do have control in their experience. And at the end of the day, you know, say you do consent to an intervention or whatever it is. As long as you're confident in that decision, Mm -hmm. you're going to be fine. Right. If we can look back on our birth experience and our postpartum experience and say, you know what? Yeah, that was the right choice for me. 100%. That was the right choice for me. That's great. That's the goal. Right.
0: Yeah. I don't ever think that interventions should, I don't think that interventions are never needed. There are times when they're needed or Mm -hmm. someone chooses them and it's the right choice for them. Mm -hmm. But like you just said, I think that's the important part is that you know, if you're going to choose an epidural, say, which is a common one, If you choose an epidural that you are aware of, what's in that epidural? What's it going Mm -hmm. to do? What could the possible side effects be? What could the long-term effects be? What could it do to my baby while the baby's still in there? What could it do to my labor as far as what could happen next? Will the baby's heart rate go down? Will my blood pressure go down? What's What are all the things? So that knowing all that information, if you are now in a position where you feel like, This is something that I want to accept. If you know all the pros and all the cons and you are still okay with saying yes to that, that's totally Mm -hmm. different. And I think that that should be your right and your choice. But the, the difference, like you said, is you can look back on it and say, at the time, with the information I had, which was a lot, that was the best choice for me and I don't regret choosing that. I knew what I could be getting myself into and I willingly chose that. Right. That's different than I was tricked into it or scared yes. into it, or or this
1: is what culture does. So yeah. I'm just going to do it too.
0: Yeah, you know, it's different everybody than everybody all Talks it. about
1: how awful birth is. It's not. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't have to be. Right.
0: It doesn't have to be. It's hard, but it mm-hmm. doesn't have to be something you look back on and think. You know, some women will say, "I felt like I got hit by a truck." Like right. you, you shouldn't feel like you got hit by a truck. You know, you should feel like you had a baby and it was hard and you do need time to rest and heal, but it shouldn't be something that is traumatizing to you physically, emotionally, mentally, you know, indefinitely. And a lot of what we've talked about today about having the right care available for you, having the right support available for you can make a huge difference in that. So if you are someone who's in one of these maternity care deserts, What are some things that you would recommend they do to have the best experience they can,
1: given the situation that they're stuck in? So number one, you got to build the right team. That takes effort. Um, So don't be afraid to interview providers. Don't be afraid to change. Even if you are 38 weeks into care with somebody, You know, if something comes up at the end that's a red flag, don't be afraid to change because that is going to play a huge factor in what, you know, how everything plays out. Um, The second thing I would say is make sure you do know all the options in your area. So perhaps you think there's no postpartum doulas, you know, make sure of that. Talk to people that are in this earth world Mm -hmm. that know names, know people personally, There may be someone that is training. There may be, um, there is a nonprofit in central Kentucky, so they're not here, but there's a nonprofit in central Kentucky that trains doulas and they serve low-income families that can't afford them otherwise. So sometimes there are creative ways to get that care. Uh, Maybe it's your family supporting you postpartum and obviously choosing the right person in your family to do that. Um... Sometimes people travel, you know, Mm -hmm. sometimes you got to get creative. There's all kinds of birth stories out there where people travel to another city or another state or, you know, get an Airbnb to birth the way they want to birth. That is not out of the question. Mm -hmm. Financially speaking, get creative. What can you cut out from your lifestyle? I'm sure we've all got subscriptions. We've all got, you know, things that we could cut out. Mm -hmm. You got to prioritize. If you can prioritize your wedding, you can prioritize your birth. Think ahead. Plan ahead. Um, and ultimately, you know, ask questions in your appointments. I see so often, and I was guilty of it too, waiting until your term to ask important questions. Mm -hmm. This is not a good game plan. (laughs) How do you feel about inductions when you're already 38 weeks pregnant? And then they say, you know, hey, let's get you on schedule for next week. What good does that do? Right. Um, you know being open to different pushing positions of are you are you okay with me birthing in other positions or you know hey I'm gonna do this just want you to know I had a friend that um, we we gave birth at the same hospital I had a midwife and she had an OB and when I was talking to my OB about or sorry my midwife about you know, hey, I want to have freedom of movement. I want to maintain the option of giving birth however I want to. I'm not, I don't know what that's going to look like until I'm in that moment because you don't know what's going to feel right. Mm -hmm. And she's like, great. You know, she said, I'll catch a baby anyway. Like you do what feels right to you. And that's a good provider, right? My friend asked her OB the same question. We're did the same. She said, if you want to give birth in any position other than your back, you're going to have to switch to the midwife. Because I'm not trained in that. And she was like... I'm not trained she, in
0: that? You literally... She said, I'm not
1: trained. And I'm like, okay, if you can do a major abdominal surgery... Right. Like, on the daily, you can catch a baby... Right. ...in a different position than on a back. I feel right? like
0: it's less about being trained and more about not wanting to get into awkward positions. Because exactly. Because if the woman is on her back, it's easy for them to sit on a stool... And just Mm -hmm. catch the baby. Right. If you're in other positions, they need to sometimes get on the floor Mm -hmm. or, you know, get in awkward positions that they don't want to be in. So it's probably less about being trained because I feel like there's not a ton of training. I appreciated
1: her honesty with her. You know, she didn't didn't treat her like, yeah, I'm open to that. And then really she wasn't when it came down to it. But that's a red flag, right? If you want to maintain that freedom of movement and your vision does not align then we need to switch to somebody else. When you actually arrive at the hospital, if you're giving birth in a hospital setting and the nurse that's given to you is not a good fit, request another one. Mm -hmm. That's a huge one because nurses can play a, I mean, they do play a big role in your birth in the hospital. And so you need to have similar personalities. You need to click, you need to feel supported. There are always nurses at every facility that are gonna lean towards the more metaclass model. And there are going to be some that lean towards the more, you know, lower intervention. Mm -hmm. And so typically they can match you with that person. Mm -hmm. Right. The ones that know the spinning babies techniques and the ones that are more supportive or have had an unmedicated birth themselves. Mm -hmm. That's the nurses you want if that's your goal. Right.
0: I think people don't know that they can do that. They think whoever I get is who I get. And that's it's true Mm -hmm. to some extent because whoever is there. Those are your options, but if you do get someone who you just do not jive with, who is like Mm -hmm. the complete opposite of you, who you feel is making it harder for you to move through your labor, you can actually ask for somebody else, and there may be a better
1: choice. Right. Because fear and confrontation, that feeling of, you know, I'm having to fight for what I want, is going to slow down the progress of your labor, and it's going to affect your mental state. You can't focus.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Those are all really good points. I think it's hard for people who are in a maternity care desert to, you know, to make all of these choices because sometimes you just Mm -hmm. feel like you don't have a choice. But those things do allow you to have a little bit more control. And I think Mm -hmm. taking that away is what makes women afraid. It's what changes your experience to something that can be traumatic when it didn't have to be is making you feel like you have zero control over your situation. And if you start from a place of, I have no control over this. I have to go to this one place. That's it. I throw up my hands. And you don't think about the things that you just mentioned. You know, it can go worse. You know, there are always ways to make every situation better for you, even if it's not the best case scenario. It's not ultimately what you would choose if you had all the choices. There are still ways to make things better. So those are really good points. And I hope that some people listen to this and they can utilize that and have a better experience because of it, even if they don't have all of the options available to them. Right. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, Marissa, and telling us all of the things that we've learned. If people want
1: to contact you and learn more about any of the things that you're doing, where can they Mm -hmm. find you? So, I am most active on Instagram. My handle is mom to mom with Marissa, and Marissa is M A R I S S A. Please shoot me a message, ask questions, connect with me. That's what I'm there for. When we've had these empowering experiences and we've seen for ourselves that it can be different, um, we want to share that with other people, right? We want other people to experience that too. Yes,
0: exactly. So, I hope everybody listening has learned something today. And if you want to get in touch with Marissa, I'll put her information in the show notes as well to make it easy for you to just click on over and visit her. So thanks again, Marissa, for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. And we'll see you all next week. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the Birth Uprising podcast. Together, we can create an uprising in the birth world. Don't forget to share and subscribe so you can be notified every time a new episode is released.